0: Due to the graphic nature of this murder case, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes dramatizations and discussions of murder and assault that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13.
1: Good morning, Chen Pao Shen. How's your little bird today? Oh, better than myself, I'm afraid. Just listen to her chirp.
2: Sounds like she wants freedom from that cage.
1: Are any of us really free here in Beijing?
2: (laughs) More free than we'll be if the
1: Japanese come. Cheng, Look down at the moat. What are those two rickshaw drivers doing? I wouldn't pry. There are wild dogs down there, too. They might make a meal of your bird. Lucky for her, she's safe in her cage. I'm going to take a look. What are you two looking at?
3: I'm not sure, but the dogs are going crazy over it.
4: It's a body. A woman. She's covered in frost, but I, I think she's foreign.
1: Oh uh, all right. All right, just just keep calm. There's a police box at the train station. I'll go. Keep those dogs away from her. Officer! Officer, someone's found a body at the moat at Fox Tower. A young woman. Foreign, too. Someone's done unspeakable things to her. We'll call in a team right now. Oh, what is this poor city coming to?
0: This is Unsolved Murders, True Crime Stories. I'm your host, Carter Roy.
2: And I'm your host, Wendy McKenzie. This is our first episode on the murder of Pamela Werner. If you like
0: the show, we'd immensely appreciate if you leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast directory. And don't forget to subscribe while you're there because a new episode comes out every Tuesday.
2: You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and on Twitter at Parcast Network.
0: The morning of Friday, January 8, 1937, was a cold one in Beijing, or Peking, as British expatriates would have referred to it back then. But that didn't stop elderly Chang Pao Shen from walking his prize songbird along the city's Tartar Wall, as he did every day.
2: I'm just trying to figure out how you would walk a bird. Hmm,
0: really carefully? <laughs> uh, it's actually an old Chinese tradition that has lasted until today. While songbirds were typically kept in bamboo cages, their owners took great care to walk them to a local park during the day. Once in the park, the owners sat down for tea and socializing and opened their cages. Their birds flew free across the city. Miraculously, the birds would return to their cages after a while, until they were allowed a taste of freedom the next day.
2: These were some well-trained birds. Why didn't they fly away?
0: Maybe there's more comfort in captivity than you'd think.
2: Maybe so. But if Chang Pao Shen thought this would be yet another ordinary day in his bustling city of 1.5 million residents, he was wrong.
0: On his way home, he spotted two rickshaw drivers poking at a mysterious bundle in the wasteland of a moat surrounding Beijing's Fox Tower.
2: Chang was first scared off by the starving street dogs that constantly hounded the unforgiving Beijing streets, desperate for a meal.
0: But as he pressed further, he and the rickshaw drivers discovered the body of a young woman who had been brutally murdered.
2: She was a foreigner in fine clothes and expensive jewelry. In time, they'd learned she was a British woman named Pamela Werner.
0: She was just 19, and though the men who found her saw her as a foreigner, Pamela was actually raised in Beijing and fluent in Mandarin.
2: Pamela was the daughter of a former British diplomat, and Beijing was her home. She grew up just outside the city's legation quarter, an exclusive neighborhood for the wealthy foreign diplomat crowd.
0: Her murder was the latest horror story to rock a city full of contradictions, poverty and excess, drug dealers and diplomats, tradition and rebellion, and teetering on the edge of a conflict that would spark World War II.
5: Peking, a jewel of the east and China's third richest metropolis, where danger lurks at every corner. Chiang Kai-shek, president of the Republic of China, has abandoned his former capital and retreated to Nanjing. General Song Jiaoren has been left behind to govern, But how can he when the Japanese wait outside the city's entrance and control all access to Peking? Rumor has it that Chiang Kai-shek will soon cede control to Japan in order to save the rest of China. What this means for the 2,000 Westerners living in Peking? One can only guess. Perhaps they feel safe in the gilded cage of their legation quarter. But as a communist rebellion stirs from within, and the Japanese lurk just outside, the world can only wonder. Is Peking headed for total catastrophe? In
2: 1937, it seemed that everyone in Beijing knew that the end was coming. With the
0: Japanese army encamped just outside the city and controlling most of the access routes, Beijing's citizens feared it was only a matter of time before the Japanese blocked off access to food and starved the city.
2: Refugees poured in from Japanese-conquered parts of China, So resources were tight, but the legation quarter was an oasis of privilege.
0: You could only enter one of the quarter's eight strictly guarded gates if you were a privileged white westerner.
2: Or a lucky rich Chinese local who managed to snag a special guest pass.
0: The quarter was primarily built to house European, American, and Japanese consulates, along with the diplomats who worked there.
2: But by 1937, it was also a two-acre Disneyland-esque recreation of Europe, complete with Catholic churches, German hospitals, French bookshops and bakeries, and modern apartment buildings.
0: And grand hotels where the beautiful, rich, and young drank, danced, had secret affairs, and gossip-fueled parties, living out their own old-fashioned version of Gossip Girl.
2: Pamela Werner herself favored the Wagon Lee Hotel.
0: Of course, such a neighborhood led to some political friction, especially since it was essentially an all-white one.
2: In 1900, during the Boxer Rebellion, the quarter was held under siege for 55 days until British, American, and Japanese troops freed it.
0: Since then, it had been rebuilt to be practically a fortress. And if this fortress kept the Chinese out... It also trapped its residents within. A visiting journalist once remarked,
4: Peking's legation quarter residents appear to the outsider's eye to be like fish in an aquarium, going round and round, serene and glassy-eyed.
2: Or, if you prefer another animal metaphor, they were like songbirds in their gilded cages, trapped in a beautiful prison, but making the most of it.
0: Then again, Maybe they wouldn't have felt so trapped if they hadn't decided to segregate themselves from the local Chinese citizens.
2: I understand wanting familiarity and comfort, but living in the legation quarter certainly wasn't the warmest way for these expatriates to engage and learn about the local culture.
0: Trapped is a very apt word here. The foreigners in the legation quarter didn't actually know if they'd be safe if the Japanese did conquer Beijing.
2: But until that moment came and it would come. They carried on with their drinking, dancing, and socializing. It's
0: a little bit like the band that played while the Titanic sank. They knew the end was coming, so why not try to make it a little more fun?
2: However, there was one man who would have nothing to do with the gilded cage of the legation quarter, a man who was an outsider to both Chinese and Western residents of Beijing.
0: And to understand the story of Pamela's murder, we must first learn the story of her father, the enigmatic, erudite, and volatile Edward Werner.
2: Edward Theodore Chalmers Werner was born in 1864 in New Zealand. Well sort
0: of. Hmm. He was actually born on a passenger liner named the Black Swan when it was anchored in Port Chalmers, New Zealand.
2: His parents, the Prussian Joseph Werner and his English wife Harriet, were wealthy travelers who added Chalmers to their newborn son's name after the port where he was born.
0: The Werners were constantly on the move, since Joseph's trust fund allowed them a life of globe-trotting wanderlust.
2: Edward, along with his older siblings, spent his childhood bouncing between Europe, South America, and the United States. He learned French, German, Spanish, and Portuguese along the way. When
0: the Werners decided it was time to get serious about their children's education, the family settled in England.
2: Edward studied at the prestigious Tonebridge School in Kent, England.
0: But his teen years were anything but easy. Tragedy struck when Edward's father, Joseph, died in 1878, leaving Edward's future quite uncertain.
4: <clears throat> Mother, now that everything's been taken care of, I, I don't know what's to come. Will I be returning to school?
6: Yes, but we're going to have to make some changes, my dearest.
4: Changes? Well, perhaps we can take a trip. It's been ages since we've been to Brazil, and I know how you loved it.
6: Oh, we had such fun with your father. Not many families got to travel in style like us. But, oh, I wish we hadn't traveled in so much style.
4: I'm not sure what you're saying.
6: We gave you a childhood a boy could only dream of, but... Edward, I don't know that any money we have left will be enough to... to let you pursue the life he'd always wanted you to have.
4: What
2: does this mean?
6: You're going to have to find a career. A good one, Edward. You'll have to make it on your own, love.
2: Once his schooling was over, Edward passed and got a cadetship with the British Foreign Office. To learn Mandarin, he was sent to China to work as a student interpreter. Edward's
0: first posting was in Beijing in the late 1880s, a very different place than where his daughter would grow up years later.
2: The legation quarter was smaller, with only a store and a hotel. Beijing's only Westerners were a small group of diplomats and missionaries.
0: But Edward took it all in stride as part of his new calling.
4: Dearest mother, I'm so grateful for my childhood spent traveling the world, as without that I would find Peking terribly alarming. I left the legation quarter and was accosted by a local who called me a foreign devil. Combined with the latest dust storm and the threat of flooding when the rains come, I'm starting to see why my fellow cadets refer to Peking as a hardship post. But as I stroll through the streets and sample local delicacies like the marvelous rice-stuffed lotus roots, Something about this place speaks to me. I'm having the time of my life.
2: From the mid-1880s to 1914, Edward bounced from assignment to assignment as he built himself a career in the diplomatic service.
0: He spent years in Macau, Tianjin, and Canton before returning to England for a couple of years to earn a law degree.
2: But the lure of China called again, so Edward returned to spend time in different remote cities before settling down for four years as official British consul in the teaport of Zhujiang,
0: Unlike many in his cohort, Edward was fascinated with Chinese traditions and religion, so his remote postings were crucial to his studies.
2: Even if they came at the cost of his social life.
0: Dearest
4: mother, apologies for my messy handwriting, but this godforsaken houseboat they have me stationed on keeps rocking. My predecessor here was driven insane and thought his Chinese servants were plotting to kill him. He is allegedly back in England in a padded cell. While I still have my sanity for now, I will confess that it's the Westerners here that might drive me batty. Would you all please keep it down? (laughs) They spend their days hunting, dancing, and drinking. It's a veritable orgy of annoyance. Thankfully, I'm distracting myself by cataloging local dialects and superstitions. The culture here is incredible. The company, however, is not.
0: Perhaps Edward's habit of always being on the move was because of his globe-trotting childhood and immense curiosity about China.
2: But if you look a little closer, you start to wonder if maybe Edward kept moving because he left a burning bridge wherever he went.
0: Despite Edward's wealthy family, excellent schooling, and great reputation as a Chinese scholar, public opinion of him was mixed at best.
5: Werner? Well, he's certainly dedicated to his life in China.
2: But how shall I say this? He's very abrupt. A polite term, but among the prim and proper British diplomatic set, being called abrupt was code for being a troublemaker.
0: And trouble did seem to follow Werner around in China.
2: In 1888, when he was 24... Edward visited Beijing's Lama Temple and got into an argument with the local monks over the use of his camera.
0: It's not surprising that a young foreigner might get into some confusion when encountering local customs, but his reaction was anything but predictable.
2: Edward used his riding crop to attack the monks. Now these monks were said to be unfriendly to foreigners, but his reaction was extreme.
0: Other stories of his anger exist too. Sir Claude MacDonald, Beijing's British ambassador, had to force Edward to apologize to the Portuguese Chief Justice of Macau after Edward insulted him.
2: The expatriate community in China was small and thrived on gossip. And the gossip on Edward was that he just couldn't ever figure out how to mix.
0: Which explains the irony of his career. Every time Edward was promoted, he was sent to an even more remote city. His superiors knew they had to put him somewhere he couldn't cause trouble.
2: But maybe he was just socially awkward. A childhood spent traveling the world and the sudden death of his father probably meant that he didn't have the same stability that other privileged diplomats enjoyed.
0: Polite society can find a way to be offended by anything, so... Maybe bookish, straightforward Edward just couldn't win.
2: Perhaps the expatriate set was happy then, when 45-year-old Edward miraculously met a rich, respectable woman who liked him in 1909.
0: Edward certainly was happy. After all, he wasn't aware yet that this love was doomed.
2: Our story will continue in a moment after a brief message.
0: On Unsolved Murders, we explore the facts of real-life true crime cold cases. But if you're looking for more true crime cases with a bit of a twist, you should check out the podcast Original Female Criminals. When you think of a criminal, what do you picture? You picture a murderer, a gangster, a thief. I bet you didn't think it could be the mother around the corner or the little old lady next door. Female Criminals investigates the lives of the world's most notorious female felons and explores the stories behind their dangerous crimes. These criminals come in every form, from serial killers and assassins to bank robbers and drug lords. Female Criminals is like a mystery and crime documentary rolled into one. New episodes premiere every Wednesday. Follow Female Criminals free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: And now, let's continue the story.
0: Gladys Nina Ravenshaw was the beautiful, athletic, and well-bred 23-year-old daughter of Lieutenant Colonel Charles Withers Ravenshaw, a rich war hero and former British ambassador to Nepal.
2: While there was a 22-year age difference, Edward and Gladys did share a common past full of travel. Gladys had grown up bouncing between England and various South Asian cities due to her father's work.
0: They met in the English town of Aldborough, where Edward was visiting his mother. He attended a lecture on Theosophy, a philosophy that states that all religions contain a portion of the divine truth.
2: Surely a fascinating topic to a known atheist like Edward. But Theosophy was also the latest fad to preoccupy young rich British women.
4: Why does a young woman like you find theosophy so appealing?
6: Honestly, I'm mostly here because it infuriates my father. But I have to admit the people here are fascinating,
2: especially you.
4: <laughs> <clears throat> oh, my.
2: Edward returned to China, but Edward's and Gladys's courtship continued through letters until Gladys moved there too. They were married in Hong Kong in 1911.
0: But if Edward was finally fulfilling societal expectations, society couldn't predict that Gladys' arrival would spur his biggest bit of abruptness yet.
2: Edward's final posting was at Fujo, a sleepy port he said was earthly purgatory. He didn't get along with most of the expats there. But of course, it doesn't seem that Edward got along with most people.
0: For example, he once publicly accused an influential married British man of spying on Gladys as she undressed.
2: Now, you'd think an educated society girl like Gladys would make for a positive, calming influence on Edward. But think again.
0: Once Edward's next disagreement came, Gladys made for great backup. Edward's new ride-or-die wife accompanied him on an infamous night that signaled the end of his undiplomatic career of diplomacy.
2: It started when he got into an argument with a British customs officer.
0: We don't know what the fight was about, but we do know that it left Edward with a thirst for revenge.
2: That night, a group of foreigners, including the customs officer, gathered at the expat-only Fujo Club to drink and socialize. Edward and Gladys showed up, armed with riding crops.
0: Just like in Edward's fight with the monks. They overturned tables, broke up bridge games, and terrorized patrons on their way to find the officer.
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm
4: sorry. There's no reason for all this. You've given me every reason, you argumentative bastard. <laughs> ah! Ah, Mrs. Werner, please.
6: Talk
1: some sense into your husband.
6: No, I think I'd rather whip some sense into you. (laughs) Ah!
2: Werner was called to London, where the government tried to have him declared insane.
0: He came back with medical tests proving he was in perfect health, but it wasn't enough to save his career. Edward was forced to retire at age 49.
2: Equipped with a full and generous pension, Edward and Gladys made their way to Beijing in 1915 to begin a saner life as civilians.
0: Edward began a career as a lecturer at Peking University while studying Chinese culture on the side.
2: He was especially interested in Chinese religions and myths, as we can see from some of the books he authored on the subject, Myths and Legends of China and the Dictionary of Chinese Mythology.
0: Meanwhile, Gladys embraced her new life in Beijing. While Edward loathed society functions at the legation quarter, he could breathe a little easier there now that his wife willingly took over the socializing duties.
5: Gladys Ravenshaw? Simply marvelous! I tell you, she's the best dancer in all of Peking. Honestly, her husband doesn't deserve her.
0: But it wasn't long until things changed.
5: Edward! Where's your ravishing wife, Gladys, tonight?
0: She's very ill, unfortunately.
4: Confined to bed. Excuse me.
7: That's the second time she's stayed home. Doesn't Edward know if he doesn't bring her, he shouldn't bother showing up at all? It's the oddest thing. My cousin was friends with Gladys at
5: school, and all her stories painted her as the most vibrant, athletic girl.
7: Simply a fountain of good cheer. Now it's like she's a totally different woman. I'd fake being sick, too, if I had to be with a man like that. (laughs) Oh, you are too evil. Of course, I do hope Gladys recovers.
2: We're not sure why or how, but Gladys came down with a mystery illness.
0: While friends and family had always known her to be vibrant and healthy, Edward spoke of his wife like she was a feeble invalid.
2: People around her noted that the life was slowly draining from her.
0: Edward called on the skills of the best doctors in all of China, but no one could diagnose or help Gladys.
2: Edward claimed she had a lifelong cardiac issue, but people who knew her well thought that that was nonsense. He
0: then said she suffered from neurasthenia, A condition that was thought to cause tiredness irritability and weakness mostly in women
2: it does seem like edward was resigned to the idea that his wife was a doomed woman
0: just another entry on the long list of annoyances and heartaches that prevented him from carrying out his solitary studies
2: still edward and gladys wanted their lives to remain as normal as possible and a married couple was expected to have children.
0: It's unclear if young Gladys had a fertility problem or was just too sick to conceive, but either way, they had to go about it differently.
2: And so in 1919, Edward and Gladys adopted a two-year-old girl with distinctive gray eyes from the Portuguese church of Beijing.
0: She was a Westerner like them and was thought to be a Russian white.
2: A term we should probably explain.
0: Hmm. Until now, we've talked about Beijing's Western population as being the privileged elite of the legation quarter, but that's not the whole story.
2: There were also adventurous Americans who escaped the Great Depression to start over in China, and prostitutes, criminals, and drug dealers of every color and creed. And finally, there were the Russian whites, refugees who escaped
0: the Bolshevik Revolution in their home country.
2: The name doesn't refer to their ethnicity, but rather to their association with the White Movement, a group of anti-communists that fought against the Bolsheviks in the Russian Civil War. The ones with money were able to mingle with the legation quarter crowd. Below them in the hierarchy were the Russians lucky enough to get jobs as service workers, musicians, and beauticians in the quarter.
0: But below those were the homeless, jobless, unlucky Russians. Life was tough and suicide rates were high. A young, poor Russian mother would have seen a baby as a burden, so local orphanages soon became crowded with Western babies.
2: But that burden soon became a blessing to Edward and Gladys, as they welcomed little Pamela into their lives. They didn't know her exact birth date, but they listed it as February 7th, 1917.
0: This was supposed to be the fresh start that would revive Gladys's health and spirits. But it was the beginning of the end.
6: Hush hush now, my little Pamela. Mother just needs a rest. Your ama
2: will take very good care of you now. Pamela was mostly raised by her ama, which means a nurse or nanny.
0: Meanwhile, Gladys underwent more bizarre forms of treatment, she consulted with Dr. Boussier, a renowned French doctor who had been the personal physician to the Chinese Republic's second president.
2: At one point, Boussier even injected solutions of salt and gold into Gladys's veins. Incredibly, it did seem to help for a time.
0: But ultimately, Gladys's mystery illnesses solidified into a case of meningitis. Soon after her diagnosis, she died in 1922. Gladys was 35, and Pamela was just five years old. (laughs) Shh, 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 there, there, Pamela, it's all right.
2: The cycle of tragedy that began with the early death of Edward's father now continued with the death of his wife.
0: He publicly stated that her death was a blessed relief, most likely because it put an end to her years of suffering.
2: And now the antisocial, difficult-to-please Edward Werner would have to be the sole parent to a five-year-old girl.
0: Until she, too, was brutally ripped from his life 15 years later. When Gladys died, Edward was already 58. I can't imagine being the father to a five-year-old was easy, but he did what he could.
2: Edward also continued his career as a scholar and lecturer, publishing books and articles in both Chinese and English journals and newspapers.
0: While he maintained a reluctant connection to the legation quarter and its foreign occupants, Edward raised his daughter outside the quarter.
2: Part of this really wasn't a choice. The two-acre quarter was cramped with increasingly costly rents, and outside it, The sudden influx of lower and middle class Westerners meant that more and more Chinese landlords were remodeling their properties to resemble Western homes.
0: Edward and Pamela lived at one armor factory alley, a traditional courtyard house in Beijing's Tartar City, close to the legation quarter.
2: While the Tartar City could be a dirty, sprawling, intense neighborhood, it's no surprise that Edward chose to live there.
0: The Werner's home was a Sehuyen courtyard house, a type of architecture dating back to the 13th century. Grids of these homes would line up to form a hutong, or alleyway, that served as the neighborhood street.
2: By the 20th century, many courtyard houses had been refurbished by landlords to appeal to Westerners looking to leave the crowded, expensive legation quarter. So this was perhaps a perfect setup for Edward, a house with a rich Chinese history that still had some modern conveniences that a westerner would expect.
0: Edward and Pamela's home was clean, modern, and outfitted with steam heating and glass windows. They had a staff, including Pamela's ama, a cook, gatekeeper, and Werner's personal valet.
2: And it was a good thing too, because Edward's work often took him out of town for long stretches of time.
0: Pamela was close to the staff and grew to be perfectly fluent in Mandarin.
2: It's possible they saw her as a bit of an oddity, a little English girl who was born in Beijing of tragic Russian parentage.
0: But Pamela fully embraced the duality of her origins, and was as equally comfortable making her way through the narrow alleyways of Beijing as she was attending dances and events in the upper-crust legation quarter.
4: Pamela. It's tea time, and you're just getting back?
7: Well, it's been a busy day. I biked to the Suzhou market, and then I stopped for a snack. Then I remembered there was an American film playing at the Morrison Street Cinema, so I dashed to the quarter. Oh, and I'm not hungry. I had popcorn.
4: You will sit, and you will have tea.
7: So very English of you, father.
4: It'll warm you up after your whirlwind of a day. Were you with friends?
7: No, no. They just get in the way.
4: (sighs) Taking after me, I see.
7: Well, father, unlike you, I do have very dear acquaintances.
4: (laughs) If only your mother were here to see what a fiercely independent creature you've become.
2: Pamela was indeed independent and biked around Beijing by herself. While she did socialize with other girls her age from the legation quarter, she was also content to keep to herself.
0: She seemed to genuinely enjoy a solitary
2: life. Pamela was quite outspoken about her origin story. She had no qualms admitting that she was probably the child of an unlucky Russian white taken in by the grace of an English family.
0: And though she was only 5 when her mother passed away, Pamela remembered her fondly.
2: I would too if my mother had left me 20,000 silver dollars. That would be hundreds of thousands in today's money.
0: It was gifted to Pamela as an inheritance to be accessed by her alone when she turned 18.
2: Pamela seemed practically perfect, a model daughter, independent and intelligent despite her tragic past, who made the most of her small, multicultural world.
0: But there was another side to Pamela. Much like her adoptive father, trouble seemed to follow this young woman around.
2: Not only did it follow her, but by 1934, it had gotten 15-year-old Pamela kicked out of prestigious schools all around Beijing.
1: I apologize, Mr. Werner, but I'm going to have to ask that you take Pamela out. I do not know that Peking Methodist is the place for her. But she passed all your rigorous exams. She won a scholarship. No one is saying that she isn't intelligent, but her behavior is unacceptable. She is rebellious and talks back to nearly every one of her instructors. And you don't think it's possible that she was in the right? Peking is small, Mr. Werner, and Pamela's reputation looms large. She has been asked to leave both the convent of the white Franciscans and the French school. The American school wouldn't even let her in. She's led a difficult life. She's adopted and her mother passed away. I have every bit of sympathy for your family's tragedies. But, adopted or not, it seems Pamela has taken after you. Perhaps if you spent less time flitting off to study the locals, you'd see just how wild your
4: daughter is. Well, I'll find a school that'll be more suitable for her. Just you wait. In Peking? Good luck to you, Mr. Werner.
7: Father, did you talk some sense into them?
4: No, Pamela. It seems you've sapped them of sense.
7: Well, there are other schools here.
4: Apparently not. My dear, I'm sorry, but you've left us with no choice. You'll continue your schooling in Tianjin.
7: Tianjin? Father, you might as well banish me to the coldest Siberia.
4: The decision is final. Tianjin grammar is rigorous and challenging. Perhaps they'll be able to make a model student out of you.
0: And so, in 1934, 17-year-old Pamela left her bustling, adventurous life in Beijing to be one of a half-dozen boarding students at Tianjin Grammar School.
2: Tianjin was now northern China's richest port but it was hardly the exciting place that Beijing was.
0: Her new school was attended by children from over 29 different countries, but it was run on a strict British schooling system. It was a new life of drab uniforms, tiring athletic drills, and a rigorous curriculum that included an overwhelming amount of Latin.
2: While it must have been a severe change in routines, Pamela still found ways to treat herself when home from school.
0: When she turned 18, Pamela used her inheritance from her mother to treat herself to a platinum and diamond watch from the Sene Frere jeweler in the legation quarter.
1: Platinum's all the rage in England. Wallace Simpson herself said after 7 p.m., all you can wear is platinum.
7: Well, if the Duchess of Windsor said it, then I'll take it.
1: Hmm, miss, it's quite expensive. 450
0: in silver dollars.
7: Like I said... I'll take it.
0: It may have been an extravagance, but Pamela wore the watch proudly in honor of her mother. She wouldn't be caught dead without it on.
2: Sadly, she was caught dead wearing it just a year later, when her body was discovered on a cold January morning.
0: But before that, it seemed like Tianjin Grammar was good for Pamela.
2: They say she turned a new page by attending Tianjin Grammar and was known as a quiet girl who was a good athlete.
0: If she got into a little mischief, it was only of the regular teen variety.
2: Mischief came in the form of Misha Horyelski, Pamela's first boyfriend. He was a Polish Jewish student who was a good student and a star athlete with a sense of humor to boot.
0: The perfect high school dream boy.
2: Misha,
7: just sneak out of practice early. We can go on a little adventure. Pamela?
3: If Headmaster Yates catches us, he'll cane us raw!
7: We hardly ever get to see each other.
3: I thought you liked being a loner.
7: Well, even a loner makes exceptions. You should come see me in Peking over the holiday. Maybe in January? I could take you to the Legation Quarter. The Wagon League Hotel is to die for. Hold
3: on. Does this mean I have to meet your father?
7: I suppose so, but you'll like him. He's just like me, only he's much older, a man, and hates strangers. Also, I've never introduced him to a boyfriend, so he'll be totally unprepared to meet you.
3: Do you think
0: I'll survive?
7: If I'm worth it, you will.
0: It's a deal. Misha was supposed to visit Pamela in Beijing in mid-January 1937, But Pamela was murdered before then, which means her dad would never get to meet his daughter's first serious boyfriend.
2: Pamela's life took a turn for the better thanks to her new school and popular boyfriend. But the good times weren't meant to last.
0: By the end of 1936, trouble found Pamela again after an unfortunate encounter with her school's headmaster, Sidney Yates.
2: Yates was 43, but seemed older thanks to his stern demeanor. He ran a tight ship and was known for flaunting his Oxford education and caning his students' backsides when they misbehaved. Now, corporal punishment was widely prevalent in schools of the day. But Yates had a history of being an exceptionally violent disciplinarian, even for the time. Some parents did complain about it, albeit very quietly. It seems they were just as afraid of him as the kids were.
0: Among the students, opinions were mixed. Some saw him as strict but stylish. Others complained that he was a lazy alcoholic, prone to beatings.
2: I think we can both agree that an overbearing headmaster would be a natural enemy for the formerly rebellious Pamela.
0: But sadly, their conflict was no mere scuffle between strict teacher and a rebellious student. Pamela? What is it?
4: You look as if you've seen a ghost.
7: Father, I must tell you something about Headmaster Yates.
4: What have you gone and done? I can't bear the embarrassment of having to find yet another school that will take you on.
7: He
2: he hurt me.
0: Tell me everything.
2: Our story will continue in a moment after the break.
0: Now, the story continues.
2: Though the exact nature of Pamela Warner's traumatic encounter with her headmaster isn't known, what we do know is this.
0: A possibly drunk Yates approached Pamela in a way that was obscurely described as being inappropriate for a headmaster to act with a student.
2: Especially a student who was one of the few who lived on campus and was essentially in Yates' care 24-7.
0: Due to polite society's tendency to bury encounters like these, we don't know if it was an unwanted physical encounter or a bout of highly inappropriate verbal harassment.
2: We do know that it wasn't the first allegation of this nature against Yates though every single one of the previous ones had been withdrawn.
0: But to his credit, Edward Werner wouldn't let this die. He immediately called a meeting with the school board to seek justice for his daughter.
2: Yates made a vague, partial admission of misbehavior.
0: He agreed to leave the school, but only after the spring term had ended. He would then retire from his position on the grounds of illness.
2: The result must have been disappointing to Edward and Pamela, But nobody wanted a scandal to erupt. Not even Edward, since a story like this might make it hard for Pamela to finish her schooling elsewhere.
0: Still, he wasn't about to let his daughter return to that environment. Headmaster Yates may remain at the school, but my
2: Pamela won't. He withdrew Pamela from the Tianjin Grammar School by the end of 1936. While she would return to Beijing for the holidays, Edward felt he had no choice but to dramatically upend her life.
4: Uh, Pamela, I'm... There's no easy way to say this, so I'll just say it. Next year I'll be sending you back home to England to finish your schooling there.
7: What? I'm not from England, I'm from here, and Headmaster Yates...
4: ...is a monster, and this isn't about that. You have a history of for whatever reason not quite mixing well enough in any of the schools i've put you in
7: so you're punishing me for it
4: i'm not placing all the blame on you i know how lonely it's been without your mother and i haven't always been here a a girl needs a guiding hand and mine's been decidedly absent
7: you know a lot of people think it's very brave and modern of you to have given me such a life of independence father
4: well perhaps it's been too modern
7: You pretend you're a maverick, always off in some remote corner, studying the locals and disdaining every other westerner. But as soon as it comes to me, suddenly you're a stuffy British gentleman worried about propriety. You're a hypocrite.
4: When I was your age, my mother sat me down and told me I had to get serious about my future. And now I'm doing the same thing for you.
7: My whole life is here.
4: But a much better one awaits you, my dear. Well, old man, you've really done it this time.
0: The fun and excitement of Pamela's life in Beijing was soon to be a thing of the past.
2: Soon, this songbird would be moved to yet another gilded cage.
0: Pamela knew she had to make her Christmas break in Beijing a memorable one, since it would likely be her last for a while.
2: Of course, it ended up being her last Christmas ever.
0: It's a shame, then, that it was apparently a difficult time in the Werner household. Rumors of constant arguments swirled through the alleyways.
2: Things were tense at home between Pamela and Edward, so naturally she found a way to spend most of her time away from her father.
0: Pamela spent the 1936 holidays on the arms of various eligible young men, even though she ostensibly had a serious boyfriend in Misha.
2: But we can't assume that she was cheating on him. These boys were likely just her passport to a whirlwind of social events in the legation quarter.
0: As the new year began and her journey to England approached, there was still a little time to soak up more holiday fun.
2: On the night of January 7, 1937, 19-year-old Pamela set off for an innocent night of ice skating with her teenage friends.
0: Earlier that afternoon, Edward returned from one of his daily walks as Pamela finished up writing some letters.
2: With things tense at home after the Yates scandal and Pamela's impending departure, it's no surprise that she wanted a night out.
0: Pamela left the house in her hat and coat with her signature platinum watch on her wrist. She spoke to her cook, Ho Ying, right before she left.
7: Pamela, would you like some tea before you leave? No, no. I'm meeting Ethel for tea at her house. Thank you. Will you be back for supper? I'll need to buy some groceries. Yes, I'll be home by 7.30 and I'd love... mm, meatballs and rice.
5: So simple. You know how I love to spoil you when you're home. Are you sure you wouldn't prefer something more special? I know you'll miss my Peking duck when you leave us.
7: I certainly will, but I'm not gone yet. Perhaps tomorrow night. Sounds like a plan. Enjoy yourself tonight, dear. Oh, I will. We're going to that new French ice skating rink. It shall be a très chic evening, as they say. See you at dinner.
2: Pamela first biked to the Wagon Lee Hotel to meet her old friend Ethel. Ethel
0: Gurevich was Pamela's 15-year-old former classmate from Beijing. She was four years younger than Pamela, but they remained close after Pamela left the school.
2: Ethel and Pamela walked their bikes to Ethel's house. Ethel's family was Russian white, albeit moderately privileged.
0: They had tea and gossiped with Ethel's mother before leaving for the rink.
2: The French rink was new and a popular hotspot for the holidays. Pamela was so taken with it that she had recently purchased a membership card.
0: The card would be found, stained with blood, by her body the next day.
2: There, Pamela and Ethel met their mutual friend, another Russian, named Lillian Marinovsky. They skated for an hour or so making good use of their memberships.
0: But around 7 o'clock, Pamela knew it was time to go home.
7: Girls, I must be off. Father will be cross if I'm late.
6: Oh, he's so traditional. Come on, stay out with us a little
7: longer. It's Christmas. Our parents are letting us stay out. Well, aren't you lucky? (laughs) I'll see you soon, girls.
6: Are you sure you're alright going home alone? It's so dark out.
7: I've been alone all my life. I'm afraid of nothing. Nothing.
6: And besides...
7: Peking is the safest city in the world.
2: (laughs) That was the last time Pamela's friends ever saw her.
0: You can tell how confident she was.
2: After a life of upheaval and tragedy, she still had faith that she could rely on herself, that she could make it through any challenge. Goodbye, girls.
0: The sun rose on the cold morning of January 8th as two rickshaw drivers, an old man, and a caged bird discovered Pamela's body. When the first police officers arrived, led by Corporal Cao, they covered her with a bamboo mat to discourage onlookers.
2: A small kindness in a cruel city. It prevented onlookers from gawking at Pamela's corpse until a detective, Colonel Han Shi Ching, arrived. Colonel Han, over
1: here, under this mat.
3: You said it was a foreign girl? Ugh, get ready for the endless paperwork. Sir, a woman is dead. Sorry. I, I've been out all night shutting down Japanese drug dens. What do you think happened?
1: Suicide? Possible. The Russian whites kill themselves in this area constantly.
3: Yeah, they tend to do it more around the holidays. And last night was Eastern Orthodox Christmas. Not much to celebrate, I imagine.
0: No. Look at her arm poking out,
3: her watch. It's platinum, and I th- think those are diamonds? I can't believe someone hasn't stolen it off her. Maybe she stole it herself, though her dress does look expensive too. Cow, lift the mat. Let's get this over with. Ah, oh, poor girl.
0: Who are you?
3: I have to get the foreign
0: commissioner. Han soon returned with Commissioner W.P. Thomas of the Legation Quarter administration, a British officer.
2: Han knew this crime would soon get political thanks to the uneasy detente between native Chinese and the Western residents of the Legation Quarter. So he wanted to get ahead of the game.
0: While Han knew what happened to Pamela was violent, he had refrained from truly investigating her body until the British commissioner arrived.
2: And so, it was only when the two men were together that they discovered the extent of Pamela's
1: injuries.
3: (sighs) Oh my, you found her here? Yes, we wanted to wait for you before we looked into this further. Of course, we're completely qualified to run our own investigation. Yes, 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 these cuts on her body. Could the wild dogs have made them? I doubt it, they're quite deep, but I'm not sure what the extent is on the rest of her body. Lift her blouse. Dear Lord, where is her heart?
2: Across town, Edward Werner was exhausted from a night of waiting for Pamela to come home. At 10 p.m. the night before, he went out searching.
4: (sighs) Pamela, you thoughtless girl.
0: I swear, when I find you... His first stop was at Ethel's house, but he had no luck there.
2: Though he was in good shape for a 72-year-old, Edward eventually tired of searching Beijing's narrow alleyways for his daughter.
0: Before he returned home to rest and sent the servants out to search for Pamela, Edward paid a frantic 3 a.m. visit to Commissioner Thomas's office in the legation quarter. I'm terribly sorry, but the commissioner isn't here. It's very late. My daughter's run off, and I'd appreciate
4: some help in finding her. Make sure he gets it.
2: The next morning, Edward set off again to find Pamela. And like anyone searching for trouble, trouble soon found Edward.
0: It's tragically ironic that Edward happened upon his daughter's murder scene by total accident. He just saw the crowd and approached it.
1: Sir? Sir? You can't be here. This is an official crime scene investigation. Pamela! (laughs)
4: Pamela!
0: <laughs> the foreigner's identity was now clear to Hahn and Thomas. Thomas had seen the note Werner had left the night before about his daughter going missing, but assumed it had been resolved. He must have felt horrified when he learned he was wrong.
2: But it hardly compares to Edward's horror when he saw what had been done to his precious Pamela.
0: While it would take an official autopsy at Beijing Union Medical College to fully detail Pamela's injuries, much of the damage was frighteningly evident in the cold morning light.
2: Her skull had been fractured by a series of blows strong enough to cause a brain hemorrhage. A similar blunt force injury was evident on her arm, and from there, it gets much worse.
0: There were stabs and slash marks all over her body, Though curiously, very little blood at the scene, apart from her blood-stained clothes.
2: Pamela's skirt was loose, her stockings were torn, and she was missing her underwear. Someone had stabbed her repeatedly in the genitals. And sadly, that's still not the most horrifying thing that her father had to witness.
0: Because the killer had also performed some sort of gory surgery on Pamela. It wasn't apparent at first because whoever killed her covered her up with a shirt to hide their work.
2: But once her shirt was off, the officer saw that Pamela's chest was carved open and there wasn't much left inside of her. Someone had stolen her heart and organs and drained her entirely of blood.
0: Only her stomach remained inside the gaping wound in her abdomen.
2: And so, another loved one was suddenly taken from Edward Werner's life.
0: With her identity confirmed, the hunt could now begin in earnest for Pamela Werner's killer. Pamela's life was a balancing act between Chinese and Western cultures, and her murder would cause each side to cast suspicion on the other.
2: So it would take two detectives to put together the pieces of the puzzle. A Chinese detective to investigate the crowded Beijing streets that Pamela fearlessly explored.
0: And a British detective to probe the lavish hotels and posh schools where Pamela mingled with diplomats and debutantes.
2: As we dive deeper into the sordid secrets of Pamela's world, we'll encounter a shady dentist whose talent for surgery could explain the horrific wounds she sustained.
0: A secret sex cult that may have lured Pamela into their lecherous grip.
2: And the possibility that the attack on Pamela may have been meant for someone else entirely, someone she knew, too.
0: We'll also witness Edward Werner doggedly investigate Pamela's death on his own. To do so, He would have to beg for help from the diplomats and businessmen he had antagonized his whole life.
2: But a father's love knows no bounds when it comes to avenging his daughter.
0: Still, with mounting evidence of Edward's violent temper and volatile relationship with Pamela, we'll also have to confront the question.
2: Did Edward Werner kill his own daughter?
0: Don't forget to subscribe to Unsolved Murders on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or any other podcast directory. If you like what you hear, please leave a five star review or tell us what you think on social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram as at Parcast and Twitter. At Parcast Network. It seems simple, but it really helps our show. A new episode comes out every Tuesday, and next Tuesday we'll continue our investigation into the case of Pamela Werner.
2: Thank you so much for listening.
0: We'll see you next time.
2: If we live till next time.
0: Unsolved Murders True Crime Stories was created by Max Cutler and developed by Ron Cutler. It is a production of Cutler Media and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Ron Shapiro and Kenny Hobbs, with production assistance by Maggie Admire and Carly Madden. Unsolved Murders is written by Amin Osman and stars Carter Roy and Wendy McKenzie. The amazing cast of voice actors includes by Alphabetical Order, Mike Capozzi, Jerry Courtney Osteen, Kimberly Holland, Harris Markson, Nick Masu. Kenna McEnroe and Steve Pinto.